0: Episode 5. Welcome to the First Strike Podcast. This is KYT. And uh, just a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by facefacegames.com. And the podcast will be available Tuesday morning uh, for later viewing, whether on YouTube or you just search First Strike Podcast on your iTunes app or any podcast app that you may have. And to support the cast the best uh, right now would be to subscribe to our YouTube channel or to subscribe to to, uh, the show on your podcast app. It definitely uh, helps out a lot more than you think. Now, for this week, we've got an exciting duo. Last week, we had Brian and Doug. Both of them called in sick today, told me they couldn't make it. But we've got the very much well-received Robert Lombardi, at least in Hamilton. In Hamilton, we got Robert Lombardi back on the show. How's it going, Robert?
1: I have my small, dedicated, local following, I guess, right? Yeah, glad to be back, KYT. Well, we've got all these people who are like, oh... (laughs) Didn't
0: watch, couldn't turn it off. Like, like, the same type of reaction went, oh, this guy didn't draft the card. I wanted them to draft, so I stopped watching the draft. We had people tell us, they'd stop watching, listening to us, because you were not. I, hey, they're, they're a faithful bunch, this Hamilton crew. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> and to duel you, we've brought on um, a friend of ours, friend of the show, a Twitch streamer, someone who's played Magic for a decade, came close to making the Pro Tour at one point. <laughs> Uh, We've got Dagger4, Vince Agostino. How's it going, Vince?
2: It's going great. I'm um, happy to be here. I'm a big fan. It's uh, I've been watching every episode, and it's nice to finally get on to start Telling Rob off. So I'm, I'm glad I have this happy. partnership. This I'm one. happy that I could give you this opportunity, Vince. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> I can feel the chemistry
0: already. I can feel the chemistry already. <laughs> um, so we'll start off with a hot topic of uh, from the past couple of days since Sam Stoddard released uh, an article talking about how R&D views current standard. He also asked a lot of people on Twitter to rate current standard out of 10. Lots of pros hate it. Lots of pros put it near like when you average all the scores, it basically comes down to three out of 10, which is funny, Rob, because in our early episode, in one early episode, I think the three of us, me, you and Doug, uh, namely me, I thought it was one of the best standard that I've, played in a long time. I really enjoyed it. But that was during a time when it was Blue-White Flash, Black-Green Delirium, a lot of interaction. Games were of reasonable length. And now with the escalation of Marvel, Aetherworks Marvel as a deck, uh, not as a deck, but just also the fact that it's been tuned to be Tier 1 now to be one of the more dominant decks in the format, it definitely changed a lot since our initial view of standard, where we we're just talking about, hey, should copter be banned or not? Now we're looking at Emerald and Marvel, so we are in a totally different spot now. So, what, what,
1: what's your take, Rob? Yeah, I, so I think this is just like a, a a standard case of pros whining about everything given the opportunity in the forum to do so, right? Um, I personally think the format is still good. I think like Green Black Delirium is still a viable deck. Blue White Flash is still a viable deck. Um, yeah, it's not a two-deck format anymore. Someone cracked the Marvel code. They figured out how to build a good um, tier one Marvel deck that compete that can compete against the big boys uh, and stick around. And I think that's good. This is a healthy thing. The deck didn't exist three weeks ago. Now it's a very dominant strategy. So the only thing this shows us is that the standard format actually has a lot more fluidity to it uh, than we once uh, had thought. We thought it was going to be – Small tweaks to blue white and green black, trying to eke out advantage, of, uh, advantage against each other, kind of like the whole rest of the format until uh, Aether Revolt comes out. But it's not. It looks like it's not going to be like that at all. It's actually going to be uh, kind of a little bit balanced, where you have, you know, green blacks very sh- or blue white's very strong. Green black comes along, uh, pushes it down. Marvel comes along, pushes green black down. Blue white comes in. Um, and now you start seeing, like, the aggro decks coming in because of um, popular, so, like, four-color vehicles, red-white vehicles, white-black vehicles are getting more popular, and as that as things start pushing in that direction again, then the control decks are going to get more popular, which means the blue-white and green-black will, again, be be good in the format, right? So I think we're going to have this nice cycle uh, going through the rest of January until volt hits, um, where everyone can kind of... Um, move with the format and play different decks at each point. Now, to me, that's a good format, right? Because things are moving around and people can play a lot of different strategies. And the best strategy this week is very likely not the best strategy that week. And I know a lot of people are going to see that as, uh, you know, you have to invest quite, quite heavily in Standard to compete, uh, which is true, but it keeps things interesting. So like, I, I'm not sure what what people really expect from Standard. Like there's, I don't know, four or five very viable decks right now that are winning tournaments um marvel is definitely like at the top of its game right now because it's kind of the newest deck to the scene but i think like a week or two from now probably the vehicles decks will be the ones dominating and then you're going to see the mid-range or control decks come in again so i'm not sure what what people are looking for there's like definitely way better than mono black versus mono black versus mono black versus mono black devotion (laughs) (laughs) there's mono blue there and blue, blue,
2: white Sphinx revelation, but uh, that, was, we'll that, was that was a trap. That was a trap. So, I mean, it's it's reasonable to say that like the format up until this point has been rotating relatively well in the sense that like you know there's been emergences of different deck archetypes that have been doing well. I think it's a bit of a stretch to then assume that just because Aetherworks now is is the king of the hill, that for some reason it's going to rotate off of Aetherworks. I think one of the problems with Marvel is that. And really, if you look at the format in general, the, the best three cards in the format are colorless, right? You have Copter, you have Emercool, and you have Marble. And the problem with that is is even if you start developing these new decks, the actual difference between the decks starts becoming less and less noticeable. The decks sort of become almost inbred. And when you do that, you're you're reducing deck diversity kind of in a bad way in the sense that like, people can start developing certain sideboard answers that are just very clear and obvious to deal with the very specific cards that are good. When you, And when you get to that point, the problem is that you get into these matchups, especially post-sideboard, that become very coin-flippy, where people are like, well, I drew my sideboard answers to the one card in the format that I can't beat. Um, and when you get to that point in, in a standard format, it becomes really... It doesn't become fun or, or entertaining or challenging for the people that are playing. So I think your argument's fine if you assume that there will be some deck to come around to beat Marvel and bring its numbers down low enough. But first of all, I don't believe that because Marvel's been around long enough in standard format to get to a point where it's had this dominance. It's not like it came up for one week and it's gone the next week. The other thing that's sort of interesting is that other Marvel decks are starting to exist. And I don't know if you remember the Cobblade environment a few, maybe what, two years ago now? But when the Cobblade deck became good, there was like three variants on the Cobblade deck. And the only rotation that happened in standard is which variant of a Cobblade deck you're on. So I think it's it's completely reasonable to imagine a scenario where in the next few weeks it's just someone on Naya Marvel or Teamer Marvel or just different like variations on the same deck. And that's a really, really bad standard environment to be in.
1: Sure. I mean, yeah, if Marvel ends up dominating the entire standard format and grows from the 25, 20 to 25% metagame percentage it is now to like 30 or 40, uh then Like, that is a problem, and Wizards is going to respond to that, right? Like, that's kind of Kovalei-level annoyance, and something's going to change. Like, that's when you have a banning. Do I think it's there, no. It's been good for, like, two, maybe three weeks at this point, right? Which is not even, like, that long, considering, like, the standard rotation is about uh, four months uh, long. and And... You know, do I think that nothing will be able to beat it? No, I I think definitely something uh, can beat it. So, I mean, when we were testing for the PT, Marvel was just up and coming. So it wasn't the best deck at that time, Red White Vehicles was, but everyone were going to be up that deck and onto Marvel because Marvel was hot. I definitely didn't think it was going to be as much of the PT percentage as it was. I thought it was going to be like five, maybe 10% at most. If people like really liked it and figured out something that that we didn't figure out but it was like 20 percent of the pt metagame like that's just insane right yeah. so everyone thought coming out of it they're like this deck is unbeatable marvel how come like 20 percent of the metagame? what are we going to do uh and who was the winner there blue white flash <laughs> was the one that came out of that tournament as the one being able to take marvel down so marvel has iterated to be like right. okay well i know what green black's doing i know what blue white's doing let's do something that can compete against that uh and it's good. It is good against those two decks. But, like, we haven't had... There's no big tournament, really, that, that's come up to to have everyone trying to figure out... Like, it's worthwhile for them to figure out how to beat Marvel. So you have people just, like, playing it. But I firmly believe that someone that's good at deck building can iterate on either blue-white or one of the aggro decks to to put Marvel, like, back in its place... And and maybe it still is a high percentage of the metagame, but I don't think it'll be winning at a rate that is, uh, you know, in Cobblade era success where we have a problem. I think the people that are, um, you know, they just get heavily rewarded in those events for playing a deck that can crush it since it's going to show up, uh, show up so much. And if so you're about the cyborg cards, like, yeah, sure. Standard cards are very powerful, but I don't think the cyborg cards are really like good enough uh, to stop them, which is, Kind of a problem, uh, in a way, and they usually um release something the set after or the set after that to yeah. stop things. So, you see, like, summary dismissal come out to deal with you know, to deal with Emracle, and then there's uh, ceremonies rejection and that kind of stuff. So, I'm pretty sure that there will be something in Aether Revolt that both deals with Marvel and deals with Copter that will give decks that currently don't have a fighting chance, maybe like blue black metalwork or red green pummeler or something like this. Um, a, a better stance against these over-the-top decks that they currently don't have it. So I, I think that it's, its dominance against everything will be very short-lived, and it's just going to take you know a couple more iterations on, on Magic Online before uh, someone figures out how to crack it. And I guess uh, it seems very profitable to be able to crush Marvel at a high uh, win rate. Yeah,
2: I mean, I guess that's possible. I think you made a good point when you were talking about how sort of decks they changed the way that the, like the blue white and the green black decks were built to try to beat the first iteration of Marvel but that didn't really work and I don't know if like if the solution is keep trying to beat the current iteration of Marvel and the Marvel players keep you know innovating on their deck to beat the new iterations then you end up in a situation where there's just a whole bunch of different good Marvel decks and it's like pick your poison kind of thing and and the other thing too about Marvel is just so unfun. like it's just it's just not a card that people feel good about either playing with or playing against in my experience anyway. So it just seems like it's just really unfortunate that the best card in standard happens to be a card that's like just brutal, just terrible.
1: I don't know about you guys, but at big events, I love it when I know if the game is over on turn four, <laughs> <laughs> then, I, I guess. then I know if I have time to go to the bathroom, get food, you know, uh, go not, for a walk or whatever, and I'm not I'm not going to time trying to figure out how to get past like these six Ishkanas spiders with my one Avicen and like a Gisela or something like that.
2: That's <laughs> definitely what we all play Magic for, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> out after five minutes <laughs> uh, actually, I'm going to segue uh, directly
0: to this topic of uh, bannings in, in Standard. Uh, a lot of people have asked me on Twitter or on our Facebook page. You can check it out for Strike Pod. On Facebook, and people have been asking a lot about should cards be banned uh, sooner or quicker in Standard because we just saw a season where collective Company was universally agreed to be the most powerful card in Standard, but it existed for the entire season. And when I look back at the last uh, Standard banning, uh, guys can correct me if I'm wrong. But I think that was when Jace and Stoneforge Mystic was banned in 2011. I'm Googling and and found the article where Aaron Force is uh, is saying I would have preferred to go through my entire career as director of Magic R&D without ever having to ban a card in standard. But ultimately he had to because uh, all the PTQs were filled with these cards. And in the latest GP that they had run before announcing this banning in Singapore, he talked about how uh, in day two, uh, 88% of the decks in Day 2 of Grand Prix Singapore contain multiple copies of Jace, and almost 70% of the Day 2 decks contain Stoneforge Mystic. So to Vince's point, if we're going towards that route, we could see a banning of some sort of Marvel, Emrakul, something like that. Uh, Though the next standard GP is in February in Pittsburgh, and there's another one in late February in Utrecht. So we might not be seeing any data that would... Uh, push us to ban any cards for a while so what do you think rob should we ban sooner what what, did you think actually extra question bonus question did you think Collective company
1: should have been banned (laughs) no i i agree like collective collective company was very good uh i played a lot of it i played rally uh when it was legal Uh, i played a little bit of bank Coco uh when it was legal and both of those uh you know both of those decks were very good and very strong and they had their merits, but there were also a bunch of other decks in the format, right? There was like Red, Green, a Atarka Red, and there were like, uh, you know, Esper Dragons and some other control decks, um, on Aggro, that kind of stuff. So it's not like there was nothing going on. There was a Red, Green Ramp deck as well, Aldrazi Ramp. Um, so there's not like there was nothing going on in the format. I think if it would have been like 100% Coco, everyone's jamming Coco against Coco, uh, maybe that would have been a problem, but it's not like the card was unbeatable. It was just very good it was the most efficient thing that you could be doing at four mana but you also had to you know you had to build your deck in a, in a way that they really took advantage of it which kind of like limited your options in a way right so it kept it fair by not just being completely open now marvels is a little bit different because it lets you put like insane cards in your deck for four mana instead of like reflector mages and eldrazi displacers <laughs> or whatever <laughs> so <laughs> so i mean it's a it's a little bit um like I guess powered up or the, the variance is, is powered up in that sense. Do I think it should be banned though? Or do I think standard should have more bannings? No. And I don't think they should be more random either because like standard is supposed to get new people in uh, to the format. And like, if you're just starting and you're like, Oh wow, this, you know, this Marvel deck looks really cool. I like big things. I'm a new player. Whoa, Eldrazi, whatever. And you invest in it and they're like, bam, ban hammer, like Emrakul, like, <clears throat> you're out. Like, what what are you going to do? Like you just, right so i mean i think that's why they really have to try and avoid uh the bannings at all costs um i think it's i think it would definitely be bad for the game and i i mean if it's if it's needed like jace stoneforge mystic yeah obviously like something needs to change but i don't think we're there yet i think if you start seeing like 40 percent um uh like 40 percent of the metagame with like it taking or like you know showing up like 50 percent in the top eight very consistently uh, with usually winning the event, yeah, you know, then we have a problem. I don't even think we're we're nowhere close to there, and uh, I don't think the data is gonna gonna lead in that direction.
2: Yeah, I would say the numbers even higher in terms of like incidents and in top eight. Like, I don't think fifty percent is even high enough to ban a card in standard because banning a card in standard is like so detrimental. Like, there's so many like repercussions from doing that 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 are unforeseen at the time. Like, I know after they ban. Jason Stoneforge which made sense at the time like that was a different environment that was very oppressive it was pretty ridiculous but people start thinking about banning cards as a solution to to a stale format or to a format that they haven't found an answer to and that's such a like horrible way to try to fix a format there should be answers available in within the standard format to to oppressive cards and and there are and that's the reality and and once you start banning cards you you start promoting this idea that it's really easy for people to just complain to Watsi about a format not being good and say like, no, 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 just ban this card. It'll be fine after that. That, that shouldn't be an idea in someone's head as a solution to the problem. Because it also just disincentivizes people to open packs. And at the end of the day, like, that's the worst thing for Wizards of the Coast is people not being excited to open new product. If that's going to happen, then, then, like, that's a massive failure in the R&D department. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Even saying that I think the standard format's not great, I would not say ban a single card. And I think they're not even close to banning
1: a card right now. Yeah. I'll take that as a small victory, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys think, uh, just to,
0: to add on to this question, then, when you think a format is bad, do you think that, Watsi needs to come up with a solution basically within the next set or two as soon as possible. Like, what were they to do if they were not uh, to ban? And what do you think about that, Rob?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you just look at their track record after that mono black devotion, like, Pac-Ride like was a problem. And everyone missed it, okay? Like, the pros missed it, the casuals missed it, Watsi missed it okay, cool, then they never made that mistake again where it was like, this card is unbeatable and replicatable and cheap um, and just makes, like, every draw good, right? No matter what. You have all lands, your draw's great. You have all spells, your draw's great. You're like, whatever, like, your draw's the same every time, which, which, that wrecks magic, right? Because that takes all the variants away. That's why Mono Black was the best deck. Like you said, like, oh, there was Mono Blue. Like, yeah, sure, there was Mono Blue, but Mono Blue had variants. Like, if you don't draw your Cloudfin Raptors and your other, like, good... Um, enablers for uh, for Devotion, you didn't really do anything powerful, but with Mono Black, it didn't matter. You have a pack rat, you do the same thing every time. I thought sees you, I play pack rat. I kill something or not, or I just keep making pack rats. Now everything in my deck and hand is a pack rat, and, and, and that's what's going on. So that's when I think you have a problem, when it's like there's one card that you have to play that breaks the fundamental rules of magic. Where, and I think that fundamental rule is really like, you know, variance you want variance in the game when you have a card that breaks variance where you can play the same game plan every game consistently that's where you start having a problem because then people get this exact same experience every single time they play against that deck and that's that's not what you want that's not even close to what we have there's a lot of options out there and marvel has inherent like insane amount of variance uh in it which Sure, tilts a certain amount of the magic player base, but it also excites a certain amount of the magic player base, right? So I think that it's balanced in that regard. It's definitely nowhere close to Stoneforge Mystic, which always got Batter Skull and always put into play on, on turn three, and it's not like Pack Rat, which just makes pack rats from turn three forward <laughs> in there. So like I don't know. I, I don't think these two cards can have this problem. I think is probably closer to that than Marvel because it, it is starting to get close to breaking that that variance principle. So uh, okay, so I
2: agree with you in the, in the idea that magic requires variants to be interesting and entertaining. 100% on, on point there. Like, cool, we're,
1: we're done here. We're no, done here, no, K.Y.T. No. We
2: we're not even close. <laughs> we're so, not so, here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's different types of variants, right? There's variants in flipping a coin, because it could be heads or tails. There's also variants in a game like chess, and that there's a bunch of different outcomes And you have to sort of figure out your way around. I don't know chess that well, but anyway. There's variance in the sense that there's a bunch of different possibilities in the way the game can end. There's like trillions and trillions of different game states, right? That's the type of variance in general that is better for Magic. You don't want variance like Aetherworks Marvel, where it's like, I have no control over the variance. I'm just hoping things work out. And they did it with Coco too. Like there's, There's variance that's built into cards that's good and variance that's built into cards that's bad. Like, let's say Divination, for example. Draw two cards. That's going to increase the type of draws you can have because it's going to increase the number of possibilities you have in a game, right? Whereas Aetherworks Marvel increases variance, but it increases it in a way that no one gets to enjoy it or have any control over how it works effectively. So I think variance is great, but having the right kind of variance is super important.
0: Hmm. I like it. So Vince, do you think like people should just play on and, and hope... WotC, like Rob says, just keeps improving themselves and not come up with yeah. strategies and cards like this? I,
2: I think Wizards needs to do a little bit of a better job looking at cards that people get angry about and understand why. And I think, if, I don't know why they keep doing this, but it seems to be they, they like to make spells cheaper somehow, or, or a way to cheat spells on mana. And that's like, b- breaking magic in that way is really dangerous. We saw it with Delve, we saw it with Phyrexian Mana, we're seeing it with Aetherworks Marvel, you kind of saw it with Coco. Every time they try to cheat mana on spells, things become oppressive really quickly. And they keep trying to flirt with it, and I'm not sure why. It's okay to just make cards aggressively costed that are good, rather than have these weird scenarios where you're like Ancestral Recalling with Treasure crews and like killing or minus five, minus five a creature for one mana. Like th- these are the kind of things that... I don't know why Wizards keeps going after them, but it seems to cause problems every time and they still go back to it. So I wish... Maybe in the future, stop trying to print
1: spells that are free for no reason. <laughs> these These are some of my these are some of my favorite cards. Uh, so I I think I think, <laughs> I think uh, I, I'm not sure if you read Sam Stodd's article. I, I actually read it because it was interesting. Like the, the Twitter question he asked, right? And so Wizards does pay attention to what cards people dislike and what they dislike about them. Like that was the whole point of his Twitter conversation with with the player base was you know what's going on with this format do you love it or hate it why right right? and and they got that feedback and and kind of the the main point of his article was like yeah you know they've they're printing things in aether revolt that are going to fix some of the problems people are having so you know don't worry too much about that And, and i believe them there because kind of like ever since um maybe like post post dragons every set that's come out has really like changed the shape of standard pretty heavily like even when you don't think it's going to change that much and even the small sets have have really like modified uh you know what's possible like when eldritch moon came out that brought a whole bunch of new archetypes with it right and that was a small set so i think they've done a good job there of like putting interesting cards that play differently with some of the the cards that are furthest away from it um so that you have a bunch of new deck possibilities that are um, there for people to explore. So I have faith in them. There that is going to do something interesting. But the point of his article was really like people, like they've noted that people don't like losing in certain ways, or they don't like losing to effects uh, in a repeatable way that are unfun, right? And that's where they kind of screwed up with Jace. Is that it's unfun to lose to Fate Seal every time because you know you're totally screwed, right? Like it's like your opponent looks on top of your deck. They're like, yeah, you can keep it. You're like, great, just <laughs> great. <laughs> now what? And Emrakul's the same way, right? Like, no one wants to lose to a mind Slaver lock. That's why they haven't like banned cards from Modern until Mono Blue Tron is the best deck in the format, because no one would really like that. Um, so Emrakul's not what some, uh, you know, apparently uh, a reasonable portion of the player base uh, don't like losing to it time after time again. I personally think it's beatable, uh, so I I don't really care. And I'm fine with it being a, a pillar of the strategy because it's new, it's interesting, it's very different than, than what's happened before. But I mean, yeah, they have to take that stuff into consideration, of course.
0: Okay, sweet. So we, we talk a lot about standard and most FNMs that I, I go to, uh, we changed it at Face to Face Games Montreal. We had since changed Friday Night Magic to modern, but most FNMs or standard and people have been commenting about the lower attendance and how they could make it better so people can, can place more standard. And that's when uh, Rob, me, Rob and Doug discussed, I believe us three discussed the standard showdowns. And now a lot of people are talking about M promos and how lackluster they've been. Uh, every time that someone announces uh, the next upcoming M promo in the, the next three months, there's a, you, up, you put that post on Reddit, and everybody is not happy. The, the one January is News Constrictor. The one in February is Fortune's Favor. And the one in March is Incendiary Flow. But that, that one see, is seeing some play. And now it's become so, it's such a problem that we're seeing a Reddit thread that's got 255 plus ones being called Dear Watsi, Blossoming Defense would be an ideal FNM promo. Please, Watsi, please give it to us. and we do know that they probably most probably decide these promos ahead of time. So it's hard for them to tell exactly uh, like all these super exciting cards to make promos. Uh, they've done so in the past. Uh, they don't have to be new cards. Like when Serum visions came out, I know a lot of people got incentivized to play FNM to, to win that they, they'd play like the early, like some stores might have two FNMs one earlier one and one late one, and they'd play both of them and it would attract people to the stores uh, so what could they do to make it better uh starting you w- with you vince
2: so i like i, I just don't understand if, if wizards is good enough to figure out what cards are going to be broken in a standard environment and how to sort of tune them to be good i don't know how they sort of figure out what cards are going to be okay enough to be fnm problems because the cards are picking are just like actually brutal i have no idea like call the bloodline i don't know why why they thought, like, oh, that's going to be a standard All-Star. It's definitely going to be in a lot of decks. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I think the solution is to bring back Magic Player Rewards. And I, I know from personal experience, that was what got me to go to FNMs. And for those who didn't know, Magic Player Rewards was a system probably, what, three years ago now that it, they stopped doing it, where if you went to 20 events, they would mail you out, like, a foil... Like, the foil textless cryptic command came from that. There was a foil damnation. Just reasonably good cards that were in a unique sort of frame that looked great. And it and it really got people to come out to, to tournaments that weren't all just, you know, PPTQs, RPTQs, whatever, for competitive players. So I think if, the, if they want to keep up this trend of, like, actual useless FNM promos to make people, uh, for whatever reason that, that that is, I'm not even sure why, but... If that's what they're going to do, at least give people an incentive that want good cards to go to FNM. And I think NPR is a great way to do that.
1: Yeah, so, uh, I mean, uh, I'll agree that the FNM promos are garbage, right? No one wants them. They're good for literally nothing. Even Incendiary Flow, which is playable, as (laughs) KYT put it, is just, like, so terrible. Like, I don't (laughs) know. I don't understand. It seems like they're kind of stuck picking um, maybe playable, but not like the most playable uncommons from each set to be like the FNM promo. And that's kind of where they're capped at. So like they take like the best five uncommons from each set. They take them out of the pool of possible promos. And then they start selecting like what, why, what are you doing? Why? Why can't we just have anything else? Okay, so, um, so yeah, so I, I agree with Vince, they are garbage. I completely disagree with Magic Player Awards. I, and I was a benefactor of that system. I still don't like it. So um, I agree that, like, the cards are cool, uh, they're interesting, but the logistics of mailing out these cards to people is just such a nightmare that WotC has – I mean, they didn't actually, like, come out and say it, but that's got to be one of the reasons why – they discontinued the program. They said, like, it was not financially feasible. They were not getting any tangible benefit. Uh The stores were not getting any tangible benefit from, uh you know, from having this system. So it's gone. So there's – sorry, Vince, there's no hope for you on Magic Player Rewards. It's not coming back. What I do think they could do, though, is just, like, put good FNM promos in the FNM promo pack. Why does it have to be, like, some 30-cent uncommon? It just – even if the com- – if it was blossoming defense, I honestly think that's way below the bar that we should have. Like they're able to like they give the judges free money, right? Here's a hundred dollar bill. Like just <laughs> hand it out whenever they want. Like it, like it would happen when Theorem Visions and Path to Exile were FNM promos, right? Every FNM I could physically attend, like. I was definitely in to go and try and win a bunch of Path to Exiles because they were like 20 bucks. Serum Visions was like $10. Like, this is actually a good reason to come to any store, kind of regardless of if the prize support is good or bad, and, and try to win these promos, right? Because even if you don't get first, um, most stores give them out to fourth or whatever. So if you kind of have a, a bum night and you go 3-1, you still get a $20 promo, like. That's still a pretty good deal, right? And it costs Wizards the same price as it costs them to print Incendiary Flow. I mean, I I don't know what I I just it boom it just boggles my mind. Like they must be thinking that, um, like the all the sharks are gonna come and they must you know kind of deter good players from coming to tournaments so that like the new players can win something. It's just like, but if there's nothing worth winning, then no one's gonna come, (laughs) and that's what you have. So getting bad I, players I, bad cards is
2: not a solution yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I, 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 so about mpr describe- though and i don't agree with you i i agree that the shipping problem was obviously huge for magic player rewards like they couldn't it, it just didn't make sense for them to ship out to like hundreds of thousands of random people to their house cards, but you can push it to the store level, right? Like you could have a a, a reward system where if you attend four FMs in a month, you get the FOIL promo and they're shipped out to the store and the store hands them out and they just check DCI and see like, okay, you came for the last four weeks, here's your promo. If you go to three, you get something else, two, one, et cetera. Like there's a way to change the system so that it's not incredibly onerous on, on Watsi. I'm not giving Watsi a lot of credit in terms of being able to do it effectively, but they might be able to. And and I think that's the only way like Giving good promos is great, but it's they get saturated so quick, man. Like, maybe it's only because they're bad, and I keep seeing them. But the amount of F and M promos of like awful cars that I see all the time is just—they're they're everywhere. And people like put them in their trade binders like they're valuable. And you're just like, why is this random garbage in here? Like,
1: please get it out of here. No one wants to see that. But I, think, I just give mine to the youngest kid. Yeah. That I see every week, well, whoever he is, if he's near me, here you go, man. He's a flame.
2: That poor kid thinks he actually got something of value. Like, it's just so unfortunate. So I think, I, th- I think having a system that rewards people for going often and gives them something actually good as a result is, is a better solution than just, like, make all the cards better.
1: Yeah, so, so what you're saying is that they should do exactly what I said, which is just give out good FM promos at the store. No, get people to go at, at every store. week just for a month. Them at the store. No, no, completely <laughs> different. Whatever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the viewers understand that I'm right. It's fine.
0: It I'm going to give out a quick shout out to uh, Frontier, the premier Frontier defender, Matt <laughs> Mealing, um, who, who asked, how about replacing promos with FNM packs, like the showdown packs? And uh, I, I think Doug Strong or someone mentioned that um, the showdowns have increased FNM attendance. And that is an interesting idea just because um, when Watsi uh, on, on the WPN page told us the stories, and I think, well, anyone who can access this page told us how we should be giving out these showdown packs. It wasn't necessarily just the undefeated players. It would We could just give it to uh, people that knew players, people who brought a friend, someone who had the most creative decklist of the day, um, something like a, a lot of different conditions, so that not necessarily, it wouldn't feel like you had to be a super spiky competitive player to be able to win one of these packs. If one of your stores was willing and put in the effort to like, I mean, it takes more effort to do the whole creative decklist thing. You actually have to have someone at the store, not pull it out of a hat and actually look at some of the lists. but to, to have a way also it's for a random person to win can, can encourage casuals to play these events. Uh, what do you think about that, Rob? Uh, to Matt, Miller's I mean-
1: it's just adding more variants to the game, right? Now you have variant like You said casuals crazy. love that shit. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> you said casuals. <laughs> like you love, oh, love Marvel uh, because of the randomness, right? Yeah, you have, I mean, to, you have to own your argument here, Rob. Yeah, yeah. I mean you're you're right that I was right. I agree. <laughs> casuals like variants, but there's a certain number of people that want to minimize their variance, right? And those people are people like me, probably people like you guys that when you go to a tournament and you win, you want to know that you're up $50. You don't want to know that you're up somewhere between $20 and $120. <laughs> it's like it just lets you plan better, right? It lets you kind of like work within a system and, and you know what you're getting. Um, I don't know. Like there's already enough lottery going on in the packs. Like they have expeditions now in every set, uh, which is like put the the prices of standard cards all over the place. Um, You never know what they're going to reprint. Like nothing in your modern – in collection is kind of like safe for reprinting now. Um, it's it's very it's very random. It's lotting. I, I think it's it's creating a lot of um, distress on like the financial community. Um, which I mean, does everyone care about that? Like, no. But I mean, I, I like to know that like my my collection's not going to be like plus minus twenty percent day to day based on like uh, you know what Wizards decides to do that that morning in, in the showdown packs or whatever. Um, if they're just going to put standard cards in there, I think it's probably fine if they're guaranteed like a, you know, a rare or a mythic in every pack, um, if they're going to start throwing like modern cards in there where you can like open Goyf or whatever, uh, I don't know. That's kind of, that's kind of weird. I I would rather them just like print stuff that needs to be printed for sure rather than have like one in a million chance of opening a Tarmogoyf. Uh, I'm not sure that that solves any problem. Uh, I don't know, but I guess it, they have the data. If people like opening lottery tickets in every aspect of their life, then, then yeah, I guess they'll, they'll move to showdown packs from FNM. I personally don't play the lottery. I don't know anyone that does. So, <laughs> the goal of FNM has never been to get
2: value for winning a tournament, Rob. And it never will be. That's never been Wizards' goal with getting people to go to FNM, right? So I feel like the FM pack is actually a great idea. Matt, thumbs up. Good stuff, man.
1: Oh, that's that's terrible. If you're not trying to grind value at F you're just you're wasting your time. That's how, that's how I stay infinite in real life magic as well as photo magic. Oh,
0: my <laughs> Apologies to some of our uh, fans who, who like every week they're like, man, I, I love it when you guys talk modern, but we've made it a a super super standard episode. Um, one question comes from. Uh, to the, that is also influenced by people's current view of, of the standard format. Comes from, from uh, Team Canada's Felix C. Who asks about an issue that, um, I think Watsi tried to make adjustments, uh, I don't know when, maybe a year ago, when they stopped releasing deck lists, on, like MTGO deck lists. And now you, you only see a sample of them and it was a little annoying. And a lot of people were also debating whether the amount of SCG opens that, that were uh, taking place right after a set's release, like the amount of them and how fast they were, and and basically because those tournaments attract a high volume of players, the top eight results were, were nothing like, they weren't like just a random FNM where eight random people brought their brews. They were decks that likely are probably better than, than your average deck. So people actually res, uh, respected those results and gave a Solid indication of where the Pro Tour uh, decklist might be going. So, Rob, what what do you think about like formats being too easily solved? Do you have an opinion on this?
1: Yeah, I I think that there there is too much data out there, and and it's not a problem for a game like Hearthstone because Blizzard can respond immediately, right? They just change the digital cards, and they've done it a bunch of times where they're just like, hey, guys. Uh, these cards from the core set are now going to be completely different. They don't even have anything to do with what they used to do. And we're just going to modify them in your collection. You can dust them at full cost if you want, whatever. WOTC can't, they can't do that, right? So whatever they print is what's out there and they can ban stuff, but they can't, they can't change things. So um, I agree that like with the amount of data there, the format, every format does have the opportunity to become solved or stale too quickly. and producing less data for people to consume that was um, like day-to-day iterations on what people are trying to do to combat the format and how that's evolving would slow the pace of that significantly, right? Um, I think it's fine and obviously correct to post deck lists from the Pro Tour, to post deck lists from the GP, like the winning list. But like when they're posting like decks down to like 128 or every six and four deck or whatever, like I I mean, that that's where you start seeing like – um you know, a lot of the decks that are going to be next week's good deck, but now everyone knows about it, and th- everyone gets there way too fast. They get there immediately, right? So I think if they stop that, and, and Moto's a huge problem of that, right? And I personally think Magic's more fun when you can explore decks uh, for longer. Like, you can explore the metagame for longer and try and figure out different things that beat stuff, but when people are, like, iterating on a list for a month and tuning it like the whole world is kind of working on blue white or marvel right for several weeks figuring out what that should be then you don't have an opportunity to to step in and do something different before that list is completely tuned uh and there's like you know it's very difficult to beat a, a very tuned uh a very tuned list with like an untuned brew right so then people just start net decking more so um, if they want to combat net decking and, and slow, slow that down and have more creativity and more interesting things going on at the LGS, then yeah, absolutely. I think they should slow down on printing like literally every deck that Meek makes a daily 4 or League 5 or whatever it is that they're tracking now.
2: You know, it's like a much better solution to people just net decking is just making the format better so that you don't have to worry about a format being solved in two weeks. Like, I don't, I don't buy the argument that more Magic is being played, therefore the information's out there, and like, Magic or Wizards needs to do something about hiding the data so people don't find out about a good deck until a week too late. Like, that's just ridiculous to me. I think what, what Wizards need to focus on, and, and this is a serious challenge for them, is creating a standard environment that doesn't grow stale when people solve it. I think they need to create formats that are more dynamic, or formats that reward... A slight metagame choice or formats that have cards that are more versatile than you know what they've currently been doing and i i I don't see the solution as being hide information from people and hope they don't find out about good decks until it's too late like that just seems like such an awful way to fix a problem i would much rather see wizards put in the effort to try to make better sets than focus on trying to obfuscate information from people it's just like that's not a good solution at all
1: yeah, but the like the Wassey team is only so large, right? There's like maybe I don't know five, ten people like working on the metagame at any one given time that are like good at Magic, right? <laughs> yeah, and, so there uh, should be more, right? There should be I more should... than five to ten people doing that. Sure, making but even money, <laughs> like, even, even even then, like like how can you iterate against a million people or something? Like, I don't know how many people are playing Moto and like like actual tournament events over there. Let's say there's a hundred thousand of very good people that are like helping actively helping to tune lists towards their optimal uh, configuration, right? Like, there's just no way that 20 people can do that. Like, you can see the big pro teams get together. Like, even, like, team face-to-face when they partner with Trenton Fireball, Fireballs, like, 37 people in a house or whatever, and they still don't come out with a deck that cracks the metagame. Uh, it's just, like, it's just a very difficult thing to do. And WotC has an even harder problem is that, like, when they're playing these cards, they mostly don't even do the thing that they're going to do when they get printed. They're still iterating through, like, what the final design even looks like, right? So, like, not only do they have less resources, they're also trying to attack a moving target. I just, like, I don't think it's a solvable problem for them. I think, yes, they should try to do a better job. I'm sure that they are (laughs) trying to do a better job. But, I mean, there needs to be a release valve to help them when they got it a little bit wrong and it's like, well, this format's going to be solved in six weeks, damn it. Like, everyone thought the format was solved after the first week. In uh, this standard, it was like, oh God, red, white vehicles. No one can ever beat this deck. This yeah. Doctor is insane. And it, you know, that's not true. Um, but the day that after those events, then that metagame would have progressed a lot slower. And like Marvel wouldn't be the dominant force right now. We'd probably just be entering the era of like blue, white versus green, black being where people are at. And then like much closer to the Aether Revolt, Marvel would become, like, the dominant force, and then Aether Revolt will be coming. So, like, if you can just stretch that out by even, like, twice as long, then uh, that that really helps. And when that, that moves slower, then people can pick apart the metagame with their stupid homebrews uh, in a more efficient way so that, like, they actually have a chance to win something. But, like, when you come with a deck that's going to beat Green, Black, and people are already on Marvel, like, uh, yeah, cool. Okay, thanks. I guess I'll go back to the drawing board. <laughs> and you come back next week and people are on blue-white and you're like, oh, okay, screw standard. Like, I'm just going to play Marvel then. And, and that's what you yeah. have, right?
2: I, I just, I, I can't get behind pushing magic into the dark ages as a way of, like, making a format more exciting. I just, I, to me, it doesn't make sense to, to slow down the pace at which people innovate. I would, I would just rather see the format rotate faster than rotate slower and, and, and hide... Good decks from people, but that's fair. All right, solid,
0: solid stuff. We've been talking a lot about um, the currency of Saturn and how it's been. Let's look at some new cards. Uh, at least one, one of them, upcoming um, to becoming an aether Revolt, which is Tezrate, Tezrate the schemer. Is this a good card? And Rob, are you a big fan, or, or is this uh, not, not exciting?
1: This is probably my favorite card in Aether of no, Full. I'm just kidding. I think Nazareth's like the pinnacle of, um, how do magic players use the term now? Medium. He is just very, very medium. He's like the king of mediocrity. And like his name is just, it's just, I, I don't know if it's the translation from Japanese or Chinese or whatever it was, Um, but like the schemer, like what that? That's just, anyways. So aside from his name being just completely terrible, I think that he's like, you know, maybe gonna see play as a one of in some decks that are probably not very good. Like his abilities are just not very impactful, right? His plus one create a gold token you can crack for for a mana of any color. Okay, that's cool, but I mean, like, it doesn't defend itself, and it's like adding a, a lotus petal to your board like doesn't help a lot of the other strategies. Like if it was had a mana cost somehow, and, like, let you cast Metalwork Colossus cheaper. I'm like, "Eh, that's kind of cool. Like, then he goes in the Metalwork Colossus deck, right? Like, okay, that deck got an engine, so maybe it can do something useful since it was already playing a bunch of artifacts, and that actually makes his second ability good, which doesn't seem to be good at all unless you have a bunch of artifacts in your deck. But I don't know what you would be doing with a bunch of artifacts and and Tesseret in your deck because he he doesn't, like, I I don't know. He doesn't go in a vehicles deck, and there's no, like, kind of good just mono artifacts deck in the format plus x minus x is is kind of weird uh it looks like the the players walkers that defend themselves now are kind of like giving it until your next turn like with with lil and jason stuff like that so the fact that he like gives the bonus now and and it's done and that it's plus x minus x and not minus x minus x is kind of meh and like i don't know how many artifacts you plan to have in play where this is actually going to do something it doesn't kill Smuggler's Copter so I guess like who really cares anyways it's not good against Ishkana since she puts like a million bodies onto the battlefield and there's just like almost no hope in hell of this game killing Emrakul so <laughs> it doesn't do anything useful I guess maybe like way late in the format you can use it as a Lotus Petal for 5 mana that's a possibility he does have a lot of loyalty I'll, I'll give him that his, so... his ultimate's just unplayable too right I can agree no, on that no 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 <laughs> definitely
2: not okay so before i get into why i think tezzeret's fantastic let me just start with the name i sincerely hope they got the name the translation wrong for the name because the name is terrible and it also sounds like tezzeret the seeker which if i'm correct is already a tezzeret card right that's, so, that's og tennis. yeah like Tezret the Seeker and then Tezret the Schemer just... No,
1: I, I hope that's wrong. But anyway... That's why I think it's probably right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> fair, fair. So, it's... Okay, so Tezzeret... I think how good Tezret is going to be is largely dependent on what else is in Aether Revolt, right? Like, if... And my in, inclination is, given the fact that this Planeswalker is being printed in Aether Revolt, it will be good. And I think that's because there's going to be enough support for it. Um... It costs four and it basically starts at six. Either it's killing something and staying around, because you have somehow enough artifacts in play to use its minus to, to kill whatever threat would be to Tezzeret, or it starts at six at four mana, which, which is reasonable enough to be, you'll, you'll automatically have to give it consideration at that point. Any Planeswalker that's coming in at six loyalty at four mana is pretty, pretty serious business, right? Um, It lets you ramp up relatively fast, too. Like, if you plus it twice, you now have seven mana on turn five. That's not... For a blue-black deck, that's something that's not very common, right? And you have two rainbow mana. You can do a lot of things, right? Um, You can catch Chandra. There we go. Now we're thinking. Um, Unfortunately, it works with Marvel. There's theoretically a a, a deck that exists that allows you to play Marvel, like a blue-black-green Marvel deck where you're sacking the tokens to get more energy, I, I sincerely hope that doesn't happen because, <laughs> as I said earlier, I'm not a, a huge fan of Marvel. But uh, it also ultimates pretty fast. And I don't know why you think the ultimate's bad. The ultimate is very real. Obviously, when you're playing Tezzeret in a deck, your deck will have non-creature artifacts or even creature artifacts in play. So his ultimate is something that very quickly will close out games. Um, it, again, like I said, I think it, it very much depends on what kind of support this card gets in Aether Revolt to allow it to be good. And if it if the cards are there to support it, like some cheap artifacts that, I don't know, cycle, I guess they area of the puzzle not the black puzzle not, but I don't know, maybe some other versions of like Filigree Familiar, like some worse version of two mana or one mana or something like that, this card could be very real.
1: I, I don't know, I, I think he's about as good as Narset, which was like... Narset's he, not played, come on, man. Yeah, it was very, <laughs> just very medium. Maybe he's... Maybe it's like in between Dovin, Bond and Narset. It's just like not really doing anything interesting, but like you have a spot for him in your control deck, so you don't want to play three of Dovin. So you'll play two Dovin and a and a Tesseret, I guess, in your Esper deck or something. I don't know. He's just he doesn't close the game quickly. You have to you have to warp your deck around him, and I don't think the payoff is there for it. Like for his minus to be good, you have to play have artifacts like, in the battlefield on turn one, two, and three, right? So if you, you can't just, like, jam him on turn four and, like, smite something. That's kind of bad in a, in a metagame full of, like, uh, you know, very good, aggressively costed two and three cost creatures or people just, like, jamming uh, Eldrazi into play uh, on turn four or five. So that's why I think he's, like, not – he's just not ready for prime time yet. Maybe, like, after BFC rotates um, and maybe even after Shadows rotates – um, he can have his time in the sun where he's uh, a two or three of in a deck that like cares about the mana is also able to put a bunch of artifacts into play uh, early. So his minus is useful. I, I just don't think that there's anything. There's no indication that that's true now. And the blue back deck that's like, I don't know in standard or whatever is zombies. And this is just like, doesn't do anything in that deck at all. Yeah, sure. Something new can pop up, but it, like, I don't see where the pieces are coming from. I mean, we'll have to wait for the rest of it to revolt. Yeah. That he's spoiled to see if like, they put an enabler for him in there. But I'm like, I, I don't even know. Like, if I could just create any two cards that would make him good, I don't even know what they would be. Like, I can't I don't even either. think don't of know. a way to make him insane.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly entirely sure what, what those cards look like, as you could probably tell when I was trying to clarify. Maybe that. soul Ring. Like turn one soul Ring, turn yeah, two Tesserin. Add Mana Crypt, we're ready to go. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> I just thought, though, the Gear halt artifacts. Oh and yeah, blue, you're right, you can the make the five flash- fives.
1: Yeah, you can no, make them five times. You can play them faster now, right? You can play them on turn 5. There, there are already five flash- mana. Gearhawk I guess you can. Yeah, you can play torrential gearhawk on turn 5. Uh, yeah. I guess. So you can flash back your uh, 3 minute instant your, spell your, your which is
2: the <laughs> new counter spell you can really right. get people exactly. I'm you glad you're right. on the
1: same page. Now. You figured it out, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> I Um, knew you'd come around. I'm glad this is recorded on the interwebs forever.
0: (laughs) Uh, Rob, you mentioned Narset. I got got to shout out uh, Dave Schneer and and Shaheen Surani for being the only (laughs) two people I know that I've seen casting this
1: card. Um, (laughs) I I think uh, uh, one one of the other notable pros have have played it to a PT top eight one time as (laughs) as a one of.
0: Actually, uh, before we move on to the the final section, we'll do one more card. Uh,
2: Vince – how good is Oath of Vajani? Oath of Vajani is fantastic for a lot of reasons. I'm a huge fan of Oath of Vajani. Okay, so I think some people had issues with Oath of Vajani that I've I've heard of, and their problem with the card was that you want one side of the card at one time, and you want the other side of the card at a different time, and it's sort of awkward to try to reconcile them. And just to clarify for people who don't know what Oath of Vajani does, it's two mana enchantment when it comes into play. You put a plus one, plus one counter on all your creatures and then uh, it has a static ability that your Planeswalkers cost one less to cast. Um, this card is so versatile. Like, it, not only is it versatile in the decks that you can play it in, but it's also versatile in each deck that you play it in when you want to cast it, right? Like, there's a lot of decks that are going to want to just jam a bunch of dudes and then play Oath of Johnny as an Anthem. Um, and then there's going to be a lot of decks that want to go turn three Gideon, turn four Nissa and just, like, push you in real hard um and it's it's good in both of those type of decks and even it within those decks it's going to be good at different times like there might be circumstances where you want to ramp out your planes walkers and then there might be a situation later on in the game where you want to anthem your creatures i think it's really well costed and i think it's it's a super powerful card and very versatile big fan
1: this is like a punisher card where you cast it and it's you're punishing yourself with a decision it's like both <laughs> abilities are so disconnected from each other oh that they don't they just don't do they just don't do anything together. Like you just you have this card that's like, okay, if I play it on turn two, I can give my creatures plus one plus one, which is like what? Maybe Thraben Inspector? Okay, cool. So you don't want to play it on turn two, probably, so it's like gonna be kept in your hand. But then like you kind of want to play it on turn two, because then you can cast like a turn three Gideon, but then you just wasted your turn two, so now like you can't play your Sylvan Advocate, and then your advocate's not gonna get a plus one, plus one counter. Like I don't know, it should probably just read, like, Planeswalkers you control, cost one less to cast. When a creature comes into play, it comes into play with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it. Like, it's just designed so terribly to be useful. I want you to think about the card you just described,
2: and think about if that card would be fair and standard. You're kidding, right? Well, I didn't say it's fair, I just said it would make sense. It would make sense, sure, if you wanted to break the format (laughs) instantly, it would make a lot of sense. You're, you're, yeah, sure, maybe it needs to be 1 GW. I mean, development will recost things. Sure. Sorry, I
1: didn't say I was a you developer. Have
2: to, people look at this card, I don't know why, and just assume you have to get maximum value instantly. And if you don't, it's terrible. Like You could even think of it as a modal spell. At certain times, you want an Anthem. At certain times, you want cheaper Planeswalkers. Sometimes, you might even get both. You might have two creatures playing a Planeswalker in your hand and go, hey, cool, I get to grow my guys, and next turn my Nissa costs 4. Or my Gideon costs three, and I can also play a declaration in stone. Like, it's, you, the, the issue is that people are, are trying to goldfish this card in their head and forgetting the fact that, like, it's okay for a card to not do everything immediately for two mana. I think the card is, like, do you think
1: the card's not going to see play? Oh, I, I think it, 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 if green-white tokens is going to be a deck going forward, this card will be in that deck. Sure. I don't know if that deck's going to be good enough or not. Um, we'll but yeah. if it is, this card will almost assuredly be in it. Do I think this card makes greenway tokens good again? Probably not. I think this card is like the epitome of magical Christmas land. Uh, but we'll see. <laughs> I mean, all right. I don't know. I've been known to be wrong. Like uh, I was maybe wrong like once or twice before. So that's true. Could happen that's again. True. Maybe once or. There's twice. some precedent. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, moving on to
0: my favorite topic. I actually hated the topic initially when we uh, had this in our private Facebook group. I'm like, uh, Rob just wants to go nuts on this. Uh, but uh, previously, when uh, Rob fought Doug on this, this was amazing. I think it's uh, one of the highlights of this show, which is when we talked about the biggest pet peeve. We had the main deck, main board, side oh deck. <laughs> <laughs> right, that, that Rob had. Um, but now I want to take it, to the digital world, what is, and we'll have our fans hopefully come and vote on, on who, who's got the most legit complaint. Rob, what's your most legit, uh, what's
1: your most biggest pet peeve MTGO related? Go. This is so hard for me to actually nail down because there's so many things I want to change about MTGO that just drive me right up the wall. Um, If I had to pick one thing that's kind of like just really tilting me off lately because I've been playing a lot of Vintage Cube, I guess, online, is when people just rage quit. Like, what are you doing? Why are you trying to kill 10 minutes of both my time and everyone else in the tournament's time? Like, just concede. You're dead. I know you're dead. You dropped. Like, now I'm going to have to submit some sort of stupid report to Wizards blocking you and telling them you're an idiot. And now, like... What, you're just going to, like, compile these things until they finally ban your account because, like, you can't deal <laughs> with your emotions? When someone plays, like, Mox, uh, Mox, Lance, Tinker, Steel Colossus on turn one with Force of Will back up? Like, come on, it's just a game. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> there should be a button that's, like, my opponent rage quit, and you click it, and then, like, a WotC moderator comes into your game, and they just look at the board, state. And if the opponent's dead, they just scoop for them. And it's just like, yeah, cool, good. Now I can move on to the next round. It's the worst in leagues because leagues are supposed to happen fast and now I have to wait 10 minutes because I can't double Q. Oh my God, it's just the worst.
2: <laughs> just stop making degenerate decks and then you won't have this problem, Rob, okay?
1: Vintage Q. <laughs> um,
2: there's, yeah, like if if we actually wanted to have a conversation about the, all of the problems with Moto. this would be like a 72-hour marathon podcast that probably wouldn't even scratch the surface. But I think my biggest pet peeve with, with MTGO, and it's been this way basically since I've played it, is it seems like the goal of WOTC is to take Paper Magic and just plaster it onto a computer screen and give players the exact same experience they have with Paper Magic without taking into consideration any of the multitude of benefits that they could get from using a digital client. Like they've even gone, and this is a new feature they've added, which is somehow a feature is beyond me is trade binders. It's a digital client. I don't think that there's like some, someone in the background making binders of my fake cards to show people in a fake trade window. Like this, it's just so ludicrous that they think I need that, Analog to to paper magic to enjoy my experience on Moto like, and it's so frustrating seeing games like Hearthstone and like even this new game I think it's called Eternal, where they like they, they just do everything so much better and Wizards just seems to I don't know if they're completely indifferent to it or think they're better or above it or they're just turning a blind eye but it's just like, man, make a just some semblance of an effort to show us that you understand that this is a com- on a computer and not just like a a picture of a felt pad where I'm playing magic. Like it's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. It just magic, seems so weird.
1: Magic digital next is, is coming, right? It's, is that, is that what it's supposed to be? No one knows. Yeah. That's okay, the problem. I, we have no idea. I have one. I just have one more tiny gripe. Just while we're still on moto, I just have to get it out. Cause it just, it also drives me crazy. Not as crazy as rage quitting, but I don't know if I'll get another opportunity for this in the near future. And I'm probably going to forget. Cause I only, every time I notice it, it tells me off, but I don't notice it that often. So like when you. When your opponent gains life or when you gain life in Moto, there's a red streak that comes out with a sound that makes it sound like you're taking damage. And, like, if you're not really paying attention or you're double-queuing or watching TV or, like, just doing anything else while you're playing Moto, and you, like, kind of look out of the the corner of your eye and you see this red streak come out, it's like, oh, what happened? Did I just what, like, did I just lose life? How, how did this happen? And you're like, oh, oh no way, he gained three life. And the sound's like, wham! And it's like this huge red streak across the screen. It's like, why? How hard is that to fix? Like, <laughs> what the hell?
2: That's like the oh my the, god the tagline for MTGO. How hard is that to fix? <laughs> like, honestly,
1: I can get on. I can get on board with that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I just want
0: to hack your your moto, uh, Rob. Uh, like, I wish I could hack it and put like change. <laughs> I don't think it says main deck anywhere, but if I could change it to main board, <laughs> so
1: just freak out. You're playing. That would be the end. That would be the end. Me and Moto would be done. If I, if I go into like create a deck and it says main board, see, yeah. like, that's it. Just delete. I'm not even selling it. Delete and I'm <laughs> happy. Um,
0: oh. well, that winds up our show. Thank you so much, Vince. Uh, I have one quick question since uh, you've, I've seen you play a lot of limited on Twitch. And I only recently discovered a site, uh, goatbots.com slash EV underscore dot PHP, which is a site by the, the makers of uh, GoBots, the, those cheap MTGO bots uh, online. I use them a lot. And uh, they have this EV page where it really breaks down uh, your EV based on your rating or what you think your win percentages and in, in either limited or constructed. And I was pleasantly surprised I started to grind a lot of constructed competitive leagues because it was like the number was positive even for something that was, even if you're a borderline coin flip player, you're not losing that much value or you might even be gaining value. Like you don't really have to be that much of a winning player to play in leagues. So I encourage anyone to just make a deck on, on MTGO if they want to gain that experience. And You're not going to lose a lot of value if you're remotely decent. But if I'm going to draft an 8-4 under Kaladesh, and it even what's cool about this site is that it even takes into account the EV of the cards that you open. And even at 67% win percentage, if your win rate is 67 in 8-4s, which I think is pretty damn good, it says your EV is minus 0.08. So what, what's a competitive guy to do, Vince?
2: Yeah, like, I, it's been getting progressively worse. And it really sucks because I'm, I'm exclusively a limited player on, on moto. Like I've probably played constructed twice in 10 or seven years on moto. So um, it's kind of just the nature of the beast. I don't know what the solution is. They could change the way they give out prizes, but it just keeps pushing everything down in the long run to punish the limited player for, um, I mean, play points almost was a solution. It didn't really end up working out as, as well as intended, but I was playing Limited for the entertainment factor when I was streaming. People like watching Limited. They're not really into watching Constructed that much. It's not as entertaining. It's not as different, right? Every, every match of Limited is going to be different than, than it is in Constructed. So I was doing that more for the entertainment value because it was what I enjoyed. But yeah, it's definitely a serious problem. I, and it's something, I don't know how they fix it. It's, it's going to be something that Wizards has to uh, put a little bit more thought into because it's going to eventually drive people away.
1: it's brutal it's just super brutal like it's insane i mean i used to be like plus ev just playing limited for a very long time and they've been progressively taking away things that allow you to stay both infinite or profitable if you're a limited player like the pre-release queues used to be just like insane value yeah you went like three one in a four round tournament that was like fire on demand you were like plus 20 tickets or something crazy like (laughs) It was just like, okay, I'm going to triple Q. Like, here we go. It's fairly season time, boys. I'm locking myself in my room. I got to be up a couple hundred tickets by the end of the weekend because this this is not going to be here for too long. So uh, they figured that out and and stopped it, unfortunately. And then you have all these, like, other weird events now where it's like, oh, you know, the pricing's not great, but if you suck, you should play these because the good players aren't going to play them. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, how many people on Moto are just, like, awful? Like, Moto is, like, pretty competitive. Like, it's not that... Easy to just like crush it, um, and I had to, I had to be at about eighty five percent win rate in eight fours <laughs> to stay, to that's stay possible. <laughs> I I I did it. Then they took them away. I was like, oh, I, I can do this. Okay, I can do this. And when I was like, I was like, okay, I'm gonna stop. When I start trailing down to seventy percent, I'm gonna I'm gonna end this madness. And so that's, I was just like, you no know, deck I had. I was like tweeting multiple three O decks a day. The eight fours were. I, I was running them in KLD for a little while, but like, uh, then they just, they made them disappear. So now it's like, I'm stuck in leagues, which like in, the pricing's worse and the variance is higher. Uh, so it's like, wait, it's like not nowhere close to, to worth, uh, entering and trying to, to stay positive that. And the cards are worth nothing. The packs are worth nothing. So for me to like stay infinite and, and like, you know, continue drafting at a rate where I feel comfortable bleeding that value, I have to play modern <laughs> to like pad myself so that I can draft, knowing that like it's almost impossible to to uh to stay plus EV or even you know neutral EV uh, with the drafts, which is which is brutal. Like I, did, I just have twenty KLB packs that I have nothing to to do with because like I don't yeah. want to draft them because it's like giving away money, uh, and like selling them for two fifty seems just like a terrible idea too. So I don't know. I hope they fix something. Before those KLD packs are worth literal zero, then I can get rid of them.
2: (laughs) I doubt it. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Okay, we're
0: going to wrap. Dagger Dagger 4, are we going to see you stream soon again?
2: There's a reasonable possibility in the next few weeks I'll be getting back to my grind because school's over now, so now I'm just a D-gen all over again.
0: Sweet. So you're going to follow this guy? Uh, twitch.tv/dagger4. Yeah. We'll have the links uh, in the show notes, and uh, for for all of us, see you next week. Hopefully, some of the sick guys heal and uh, battle uh, battle it out. But uh, Vince, you did a great job. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. See you later, guys. See
1: you later.